because we hit 70,000 subscribers on YouTube, we've got a special guest. Well, it's the same guest that's here once a month to answer your questions. Dan Titus is here. We're talking fantasy basketball questions, mailbags. It's all happening. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I'm full of sugar spice and everything nice. And I'm also the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore bball on TikTok at redrock underscore bball and on Instagram at locked on fantasy basketball. We are here to answer your questions. Um, but before I do that, I'll tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Price Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA. Use the code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Also, thank you for making locked on fantasy basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. That's enough of that because now we do have to talk. We're going to bring him in. Uh, he's back. Few weeks, uh, a few weeks ago, Dan was on here and we talked a lot of fantasy basketball. And we're here to do it again. Dan Titus, welcome back. What's up, Josh? How you doing, man? I'm Happy good. Holidays. I'm good, man. Happy holidays to you as well. We are getting very close to Christmas, like ten days away from Christmas, which is uh, yeah, a little, uh, a little, little weird. It always sneaks up on you because you always think, I oh, end of the month," but no, no, it's a week before the end of the month. But that doesn't, that doesn't matter. We're here to talk fantasy basketball, and we're here to answer people's questions. We might as well just bang straight into this one, um, Dylan says, what do you think about Patrick Williams's value with respect to other waiver wire players? Is he worth keeping over a Hurt, Keontae George, or a Jalen Green? Jalen Green is in that waiver wire uh, pool of players now, I guess. So I guess we'll just we'll look at that as Patrick Williams. Where are you? Like, obviously, Dan, he's really inconsistent. Um, he flashes, you know, a steal, a block, a game sometimes, and then he has four points, or he'll have 15 points. I'm probably on the side of I'll hold, but it really depends on what else is popping on the waiver wire. Like, would I have Jalen Green over him? Probably would I have injured Keontae George? I don't think I'd hold Keontae through an injury in that scenario, but how do you view Patrick? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Patrick Williams is what he is. I think he's a better fantasy player whenever Zach Levine or DeMar DeRozan are off the floor. So you still have a few weeks before Zach Levine returns and who knows what happens in the trade market. But um, I, I think Pat Williams is somebody that you don't need to hold. He's definitely decent for stocks, you know, steals and blocks, but I would be open to moving him for a player like any of those three Warriors that you're, you've been talking about a lot in Kaminga, Dario Saric, and, and Brandon Przemski. I think even Tari Eason is becoming more interesting now, um, now with two consecutive double-doubles and having great, great games. So I'm not... I'm, I'm okay to keep them, but I also wouldn't be afraid to drop them if there's somebody more attractive out there. Well, that's a fantastic um, segue from you, Dan, because Twasta says, just combining all this together, who would you prioritize, Kaminga or Eason? I think I would go with the guaranteed minutes, which it looks like it would be Kaminga. But man, we, we were talking about this last year and the upside of what Tari Eason can do, and he's shown it on a per-minute level. Um, just give him the opportunity, man, and he's fantasy gold. He does everything for you. The thing about Jonathan Kaminga that I just want to temper expectations for is that, like, when he plays, he's typically just a, a, a points and rebounds guy. He doesn't really fill out 
the rest of the box score. Mm. So um, he is going to get more minutes and he has played well in those minutes, but I, I think it's going to be an interesting, it's going to be interesting to see which warrior pops from this uh, Draymond green fallout. Yeah. Like I, when I was talking about this yesterday with the warriors, I was like, okay, the Draymond thing is fine. They, they might just start Chris Paul. Although there was reports that they might start Kaminga instead of Chris Paul, but the big thing is going to be what they do with Wiggins because that's what really opened up a lot of stuff. Cause if Wiggins plays 18 minutes or plays 20 minutes and comes off the bench, then that does open up. Kaminga a lot more, it opens up Pajemski, it opens up Moses Moody. But last game, all that happened because Green got ejected, um, Clay right. got benched, and Wiggins got benched, and Looney played like 10 minutes. Like, Are all of those things going to happen? Maybe. Uh, but uh, but I don't know. I don't think it's going to be as clean as Green is out there for 26 for Pajemski, 30 for Kaminga, and 30 for Moody. Like That just isn't going to happen. There's still a lot of other things to happen there. Whereas for Eason, what has led to those big minutes for him in the last two games has been 24 minutes from Jalen Green. In one of those, it was nine minutes from Tate. In the other one, it was 24 minutes from Shangun, which both of those scenarios seem unrealistic. Like They're just not going to be the case every night. And Eason played nine first half minutes, and then he played the entirety of the final quarter and a big chunk of the third. Does that guarantee he gets 27 a night and they just keep Jalen Green in a 25-minute role? That seems also really unlikely. So I think we're going to be frustrated. I think we're going to be in a situation where um, it's going to be just an annoying scenario. I I actually think I might take Eason over Kaminga, just his per-minute production, like you said with Kaminga. Like, what does he do? Like, we want him to do more, but he doesn't as a general rule. And maybe he plays five more minutes, but maybe he doesn't. Also, because it does require a few of those other things going wrong. But it is definitely the biggest question, I guess, sitting around fantasy at the moment. Look, I don't think you'd argue with this, Dan, but all of those, like Kaminga and Eason, they should be grabbed by somebody and probably Pajemski as well. Yeah. Totally agree. I think all of those guys should be waiver ads at this point. Yeah, like how to pick them, that is that is really tough. Like that, right. it's, that's hard. Exactly. And there's so many other factors involved in that. And there's even no guarantee that um, that, that stuff holds every single game. Uh, Angela says, are we holding Jordan Clarkson through the injury? Angela, I'm going to use this question as a quick, to just answer the part, Clarkson, no, I don't think you need to do that. But it also brings us into what do we do? Because Colin Sexton took the starting spot. I thought they would start Oshaya Baji yesterday, Dan. They didn't. They went with Sexton. He scored well. And I'm I'm okay with adding him when you're looking for some points. And what has happened when Clarkson is out and now George is out, he might get a couple more assists. I'm okay with adding Sexton in that scenario. Yeah, I think that this is the point where you add Colin Sexton for a short-term value hold here. Like, it doesn't look like Keontae's injury is going to be, you know, long-term by any means. It's an ankle sprain. Um, but Jordan Clarkson isn't a must-roster guy. Like, he's no. always that outside 150 type of player. Scores in bunches, can get some steals and threes, but, like, he's not. you're not really relying on him in category league. So, I feel okay with, with dropping him and, and rolling with Sexton because he's the hot hand and Honestly, there's so many injuries, cluster injuries going on in Utah right now. Um, oh, yeah. You can get a lot of value out of some of these backups. And they're really hard to predict as well. Utah is one of those teams, um, one of those teams that um, just seems to change things every single game. And that makes it really hard to figure mm-hmm. out what they're going to do. Like, does Kessler play 20 minutes or 30 minutes? Or does he start? Or does Yurt7 start? Or does Abaji start? Or Fontecchio start? Or whatever. Like, it's impossible to sort of get it. And Memphis is probably worse. Uh, at, at that okay. than this and that, that's that makes it really difficult to try and figure out exactly where we're going to do that now I've given my thoughts on this but BSN highlights asks do you expect Draymond to be suspended for more than 10 games Dan I do I think uh the fact that he got five last time I feel like with all the past history 10 games is the minimum at this point um I think we could be looking at 15 that was kind of what I was predicting but 
Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it was north of 20. Yeah, my initial thing was 20. Uh, I, I thought I, my, my initial thing was I would think that he should get 20, and I think they would give him 10. But as soon as they come out and say suspended indefinitely, I know a lot of people are bringing up, well, look at all the past suspended indefinitely, and to me that just has no relevance whatsoever. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't lean uh, across whatsoever. For a start, one of them was Kyrie, and that was a Nets imposed suspension. But part of the Draymond thing, and part of the reason that he got the five games last time was a history of infractions. It was like a build up of all this stuff. So it's not just like, hey, go and pass your counseling thing and, and show contrition and come back because there's that there's that part of it which hey Ja Morant went to a wellness camp for two days and then he was fine apparently but that's a that's a different situation but there's also yeah. the punishment part of it. it's like hey we want you get some help like figure this figure this shit out but there's also a punishment part where he's got to serve he has to serve minimum five after last time if they're going to add past transgressions on so that's going to be I would say minimum 10 and then plus whatever the um the rehab-ish counseling thing on top of that. And yeah, I, I, I do think it's pushing uh, at, at least to at least 15 at this point, probably 20 games. And I'm guessing you're thinking you, you don't hold on to Draymond Green through that, do you? No, I don't think you need to at this point. And I'd be more concerned about the, the bigger questions, like what's what do the Warriors do during this time? And I think Man. we're going to start to see some, we're going to start to see the young players play more. If they start to get some momentum, I've already seen questions coming up, like, does Draymond Green come back off the bench? So, like, there's a lot to still be figured out, but I just – I feel like you can drop him right now. The like, you can safely drop him. The interesting thing with Draymond is, is obviously he's been you know, suspended and ejected multiple times already this season. He hasn't been the problem, though, when he's been on the court. Like, he's been good. Like, it's, no. him and Steph have been good. It's Clay that's been bad. It's Wiggins that's been bad. Clay and Wiggins. It's Looney. Yeah. Looney's been terrible. Like – Draymond has been quite good when he's been on the court. It's all those other guys that have sucked. So maybe they keep him on the bench, but if they're going to actually bench people to get best lineups in, it's the other guys that need to be seen reduced roles, especially Wiggins, who, I don't know, I feel sorry for him. There's, there's something going on. There's something completely wrong with him at the moment, and I feel like he's going through a, b- a bunch of stuff. And if there's anyone who probably needs some time off for some counseling or something, I, it feels like it's him because, I don't know, it's, just, it's weird to drop off uh, as much as he has. But today's episode is brought to you by Dave. At one time or another, we all need a little financial help, and that is why Dave is great. Dave can get you cash when you need a hand between paychecks and help you build your credit by settling extra cash advances on time. Dave is the banking app that is leveling the financial playing field. When you download Dave, you get up to $500 in five minutes or less. No credit check, no fees. It's all part of Dave's extra cash account. Advance the money that you need with no interest and then settle up later. Extra cash gives you more money to buy groceries, fill your tank, finally get your car repaired or catch up on bills without having to wait for your next paycheck. You can even build credit when you settle up on time. So download Dave today at dave.com slash locked on NBA. That is dave.com slash locked on NBA. You can get up to $500 in five minutes or less. No credit check, no late fees. Download the Dave app now or go to dave.com slash LockedOnNBA. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Eligibility criteria and instant transfer fees apply. Banking services provided by Evolve. Member FDIC. All right. Um, Again, we'll use these questions. Sometimes they're specific and we can extrapolate them into deeper stuff. And Penny Leaf says he's Josh is uh, Jordan Poole are dropping eight team leagues. So I'll just quick quick answer, Dan. Yes or no? Eight teams. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that you could pick up. So yeah, I could drop Jordan Poole. I agree. In an eight team league, you can drop him. It's obviously been dreadful. But that brings us to, I guess, the more wider audience of a 10 team and more specifically a 12 team league. What are you doing with Jordan Poole? Because 
Obviously, it's been terrible. There's been a couple of little signs of improvement and then just goes back to the same stuff. Usage remains down. Field goal percentage is dreadful. Assist rate is low. Um, it's been just a complete disaster to go from a guy who was very, very good two years ago to serviceable last year to, honestly, the, one of the worst players in the NBA at the moment. It's been a rapid fall. What are you doing if you had him in a 12-team league? To me, it's very dependent on where I am in the standings. If I'm sitting top two or top three, I'm okay to just see what happens, right? Ty Jones might get traded. Poole might be the starting point guard. Maybe that accelerates things. I, I don't know. Things... There's not many guys that sit on your waiver wire in a 12-team format who do have that ability to be a 25-point scorer with five assists and go four or four from the line each night. And he's actually got his steals and blocks up this season. There's not many guys who have that ability on the waiver wire. The problem is his pool's nowhere near producing that. So who would you be adding like for a two-game opportunity at a Dante Exum? Like that's fine, but yeah, that overall long-term upside with your top of the standings doesn't really do that much for you. If you're at the bottom, you've got to claw, scrounge, get whatever you can in at any point. And that's where I think the decision goes. Maybe it is best moving on because I don't actually have the time to wait anymore. Yeah, I think you said that best. Um, I would be holding if I'm at the top of the standings because, as you said, the upside there, when he actually figures out how to be the 1A and not get, I don't know, seems like he's overwhelmed and still not focused. The Wizards situation's ugly in general. Like Their team basketball is awful. Everyone's playing bad except for Kyle Kuzma and maybe Daniel Gafford when he's healthy. But um, I would hold on to him if you're at the top of the standings. If you're at the bottom, you're not going to be able to get a one-for-one for, one for him. The value is not going to be there. So you're going to have to package him in with somebody else, probably a two-for-one or a two-for-two two type of deal, someone that's better in the deal so that someone actually feels like there's someone worth and they can take the upside of Jordan Poole because uh, you're not going to be able to get much for him on, on the trade market right now. So if I'm a bottom feeder, I would definitely be looking to move on because you just can't continue to stomach that and still try to gain that margin in the loss column um, or in the win column, I should say. I don't want to cause any problems for you, Dan, but you live out in the Bay Area. How would you rate the uh, the baddies in the Bay Area versus in Washington? Is there a, is there a correlation there to Jordan? <laughs> to Jordan There's a hundred percent correlation there, man. <laughs> Jordan, Jordan Wall set the or, or John Wall set the precedent for it. Like, I used to live in D.C. It's night and day, bro. Like it's he's having a great time. I'm sure. <laughs> there you have it. That's how we're drafting fantasy players on uh, based on the BBLs per capita in the. Uh, in- <laughs> <laughs> in in the city that uh, players live. Um, Apad Trend says, is it worth buying low on Ja Morant? Right now, we do not know his conditioning in minutes first game back. I think there's something to this, Dan, but I don't think you could do it now. People have waited 20-odd games for him to come back. We're two games away, so you can't really buy low on him now. But what I do think will happen is the first game that he comes back, he might come off the bench. He might play 27 minutes. And it happened when he went to Florida to like Sonny's anus for three days down there at the wellness camp. And then he came back and he played off the bench. I want to disrupt things. Although the team is obviously dreadful. He's not disrupting anything at the moment. I think the first couple of games might be a little bit weird in terms of rotations or minutes. That's possible. So I think your buy low might open up there. Not now where the anticipation's like building. People go, I've waited all this time. He's coming back. And they're not going to go, well, you know what? I've waited all this time. Why don't you just have him for nothing? I don't think that's going to happen, but I think you're onto something that might happen next week. Yeah, I'd be down to do it. As you said, like wait a week, maybe a week and a half, get some games in. He's going to be going through some conditioning and also getting that chemistry back. This team looks completely different than it did last year. Um, So he's going to have to get his footing. So I would definitely wait a little bit if you're interested in John Moran. Just remember, he's typically a better real life player than he is fantasy guy in category leagues. But 
that being said, with so many injuries in the Memphis's backcourt, they're going to need them in the worst way. And Desmond Bain's been awesome, but I think he's also going to also benefit from having to play off ball a little bit more. Maybe you see that assist rate go down a little bit, but I feel like it's going to be good for everyone in Memphis when Jaws back on the court because right now they're just they're just kind of treading above water and getting somebody that could raise that floor up is going to help Jaron Jackson Jr. Pretty much everybody else around. As weird as it is to say with Ja Morant, but he's actually going to provide stability to that team, like because they are just yeah. all over the shop. Like everything is changing every single game, minutes, shots, usage, whatever. It's all changing every game, and while there is all this uh, turmoil for for Jar off court, like. Him coming back actually gives them a level of stability. Amin mm-hmm. says, will I be sad if I don't trade Kobe White? And again, this just brings to a fantasy basketball strategy thing. Kobe White's dominating at the moment, Dan. He's hitting like 55% of threes. He's hitting five threes a game. He's playing 40 minutes a night. Will you be sad if you don't trade him? Well, that would depend. Is there someone in your league that will say, hmm, Kobe White, this is a, an all-star player. Let's go top 30 on him. If You'd be sad if you didn't take that, but you probably can't get that. So whatever, like you're just not going to, you can, you try it but you're probably not going to be able to turn it into something that's worthwhile. So just enjoy what is happening. If it works, it works. And then when he drops back off later on, whatever, you enjoyed the moment as it was going on. So it's not one of those, again, sell highs are never, you must get rid of this guy. It's about turning it for a trade that makes sense and rejecting stuff that doesn't. And I think that's a pretty strong lesson there, Dan. Yeah, I'd be hard-pressed to want to send Kobe White out. Yeah, he's on a ridiculous heater right now, but like, Considering where you drafted him, this guy's ADP was like north of 140, right? Like he wasn't really on fantasy people's radar until like a late round pick. So you're getting extreme value right now. And I think I'd be more so looking at the signaling of what's going on in Chicago. Zach Levine wants to be traded. A report came out today that he wants to go to the Lakers. We'll see where he ends up. But no matter the situation is, they invested in Kobe White. They paid him in the offseason. So I think they're staying out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm thinking that he can stay. Like, I, I think he's he's a guy that you can keep on your roster. Unless you're going to trade him for, you know, an all-star level pe- player, then, you know, hold on to him. Well, let me, throw, let me throw this hypothetical trade. I was just trying to think of names that might be worth discussing. Because I, I do, I think in 90% of cases, you're just going to hold and see what happens. Yeah. But what if someone said, hey, do you want Darius Garland? Where do you sit with that? I, Garland hasn't even played his best yet, so I, I'm tempted. I'm tempted by that because I think he offers more assists. It depends on what your team build is, obviously, but I, I would be tempted in Darius Garland. I think that's I pro- probably the right area. Like, I'm not sure if, like, I'm not as big on DeJounte Murray, so to me, he's probably a little bit lower, even though the odds would suggest that DeJounte will be better than Kobe rest of season. I, I think I'd rather just right. ride out what I'm getting, but with a Garland sort of scenario, that I'd probably be interested, like that Fred Van Vliet maybe around that area. Like, that's, yeah, but if I can't get it, I can't get it. Like, but one thing, it's not even just about Levine not being there with White, not to harp on Kobe White. It's He's not going to do this. He's hitting 55% of threes, irrespective yeah. of who's around him. Like, it doesn't matter if Michael Jordan and the Monstars are playing next to him. He's not going to hit 55% of threes. Like, it's just yeah. not going to happen. So that's got. That's like when I talked to Shaden Sharp the other day. It's like, irrespective of who gets traded or not, they're not going to continue to go at these insane shooting levels. That is a, a guarantee to fall off. And that's not impacted by trades or, or anything along those lines. Today's episode is also brought to you by 
Price Picks. Price Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's also the easiest and the most exciting way to play DFS. It is you against the numbers instead of going up against thousands of players and spreadsheets and formulas and salary caps and all the pros out there just looking to take your money. It's just you against a player projection. You, they get a stat, they put it up, you look at it and you say more or less points, rebounds, assists, whatever. Steals, blocks, fantasy points. They chuck it all up there. They might have Kobe White and his threes and they might say, well, do you think he's going to hit four in this game? And you say, well, I think he'll actually go more. So you go more. And you put two to six of those together into an entry and you can win up to 25 times your money back. They even offer a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. No need to beg for voids on social media. You can just get it happen automatically on prize picks. Football and basketball, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, the player gets rebooted. Prize picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with injury insurance policy. So go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and enter the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That is pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA. The code is locked on NBA and you get a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. Um, Ignatia, I'm just going to quickly answer this. Is Brogdon a hold in 18 points? Like 100% no. Uh, Zoe says, is Evan Mobley's knee injury a serious concern? Um, initially, I would have said no, but now I'm saying, yeah, I'm, I'm a little concerned. Like that's what, four games, Dan, with knee soreness? And that doesn't really tell us anything. So I'm not going to do anything with it. Like if I have him, I'm not trading him away because it's the low point of value. Um, if I've got him, I'm not dropping him. Like I'm just you sit there and go, I, I don't know. But it is it is worrying for sure. I literally just traded him in industry pickup for uh, Miles Turner. Yeah, you did it. You did it before the the <laughs> injury. Didn't you? I did. Yeah, yeah. It, it was like a. I think he had just gotten ruled out with the first, uh, the first leg of that 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 uh, stint that he's been out. But um, I'm just concerned it could turn into like a Markel Fultz situation mm. where it starts out as a day to day thing. You don't get a clear prognosis, and then it kind of just goes on an injury, uh, a pain management or swelling management that type of thing. So. Definitely concerning. Um, you got to wait this out. And I wish I had more information, but it seems like, uh, you know, the fact that he's getting ruled out days in advance, I think is pretty indicative that this is going to be a multi, could be a week, multi-week thing. Um, yeah. It's already been... It's already been one, so I think we're, we're, we're heading into two right now. It's definitely concerning the fact that he's getting ruled out so far in advance. That's the thing that worries me. Like, I'm not thinking it's going to be as long as Fultz. We've got a question coming up about Fultz next. Um, but it is definitely concerning. So David says... How much do we prioritize adding Fultz at the moment? He's in a 12-team points league. I'm debating dropping Clay for him. So he just dropped that little bit there at the end of the centers of dropping Clay. I'd be totally okay with moving on from Clay, to be honest, if you wanted to add Fultz in. I Fultz is back partially practicing. He's questionable for the game on Friday. Is he a guy you rush to add? And again, we'll just tie this all back to the beginning of the show, like versus the Warriors guys, the Kamingas, Pajemskis, Moody's. They'll throw Sharic in there, Atari Eason. Like, where do you put Fultz, Fultz with those guys? Like, he's going to start. They're not going to keep starting Anthony Black. So when Fultz's knee is fine, he will start. Um, like, how do you view him versus those guys who majority of are probably going to be bench players with uncertain long-term roles? I, I think he's worth a fl- I mean, he's only 59% rostered in Yahoo League. So, like, he's he's pretty widely available um, in shallow league. So, I, I would take a flyer and stash him if you if you have an IL spot. If you don't, um, I think he's one of the ba- better waiver streamers that you could have out there. Like, if he's actually healthy and playing. The Orlando Magic, obviously, their trajectory has changed completely. Um, it's going to be really cool to see Fultz actually playing at the level that everyone else is if he can stay healthy. I think that's the biggest frustration that I would have in rostering him is like, 
will this knee injury pop up again next week? So hopefully the time off has been best served to get him that he can ramp up. He's going to have some conditioning and get back into the swing of things. Um, and I think it's worth it. You know, he was a, I, I had him pegged as like a top 90 guy this year. And I, I think all indications before the knee injury was that he could, he could get there. Um, he's got to stay healthy. So I would take a flyer on him. I think it's worth it in 12 team. I think it is too, although it's not like a, it's not a guarantee that it's going to work out, but I think it is too. No. Um, Wancho says, do voters in the MVP race take into account advanced stats or only regular averages and team wins? That, it's just, a, there's like a hundred voters. So some of them would and some of them won't. Like I don't know all the voters. I know some of the voters and I know some of them do, but I also know that some of them don't. So it's, it's, it's a mix and that's exactly how that goes. This is also worth talking about this question here from Nostalgia. It says, I'm combining my Derek White sell high for a Vassell buy low. Is that a wise equivalence? I'm not talking about a wise equivalence. Um, no, it's not. Like, that is not what, <laughs> that's not what you do. That's not how that, any of that stuff works, right? That, let me again rephrase this. Buy lows and sell highs can be combined together quite often, but that's not what this is because a Derek White is rolling top 20 at the moment. So when you're selling Derek White at the moment, what you're trying to get back is, let's say, top 40 player. Right? That's what I'd like to get back from Derek White. And if I don't, much like Kobe White, we just keep it going. We just hold it and we enjoy it. And maybe it sticks, maybe it doesn't, but we hold it. Whereas Devin Vassell is probably a 60 to 70 range player. And I guess if all things were equal, White and Vassell might end up in the same area. But Vassell's running at like 100, 110. So he's well down in his value. So then you try and throw someone that's way worse than that to get him and hope that he improves. You can combine buy lows and sell highs, but it's when we're talking about the buy low player being like a top 10 guy who's ranked 50th. And then the sell high guy is a... 50th ranked player who's ranked 10th now and you try to switch them over and hope that their things pass. Not this sort of scenario where they both could end up in the right spot, but they're like 100 ranking spots apart at the moment. That that doesn't work and that's just almost guaranteed to blow up in your face. Dan? Yeah, I was actually thinking when you did the comp for Kobe White, I was actually thinking um, Derek White would probably be actually a pretty interesting trade because um, I don't know that Kobe White's going to sustain the value that he's at right now and i think Derek white obviously is playing ridiculously right now but he's going to regress back a little bit he's not going to be a top i think he's top 10 last week so top 20 over the last couple of weeks um i would buy low on devin vassell with the news that Keldon johnson's likely going to be moved um but i don't know that i would sell yeah i would sell Derek white if i could get a top 20 top 30 guy um, otherwise I'm just going to hold because I, I actually value Derek white over most guards because he plays defense. Um, he gets you the blocks and the steals that don't typically come from that position. So I think he's actually a cheat code for the the position. So I would take that as a factor into whoever I'm trying to acquire needs to do something similar to Derek white. I'm glad that everyone now is uh, finally coming around to my takes on Derek white from about four years ago. Do you think Dan, do you think that Derek white is the Celtics second best player? Ooh, it's between him and Porzingis, probably. Yeah. Um, but I would think for scarcity of the position of what he does, I think he's. I think he could be. He's definitely in consideration for it. Like I, I'd rather have. I can find bigs that do what Porzingis does. I don't know that I can find guards that would do that do what Derek White does. It's like Shea Gilgis Alexander, him and 
Kyrie is actually pretty good at defense too. Um, yeah, Kyrie gets a, a sneaky out of position. Oh, so is Fred VanVleet. Sneaky out of position blocks Kyrie. Fred he has, hasn't really done it this season though, Kyrie, but he has in the past been yeah. a pretty good um, shot blocker. You did mention the Keldon Johnson thing, which was interesting. This is something, again, I've been calling for the Spurs to do for two years because I just don't... I don't <laughs> yeah. I, he's not someone that you should build around, although he's improved a lot this season. Um, yeah. But that, that brings me on, and no one's asked this question. Maybe someone can ask this question that I can put up on the screen. Um what do you do in terms of fantasy stashing trade rumors? Because my thing is ignore nearly all of it because you might have 10% of it hit. And then when it does hit, it's a situation where weird stuff complicates the situation even further. And you've just sat on guys for too long. We hit February the 1st, and then you might want to sit on a couple of guys as things start to like take place. Like last season, it became really obvious to me that you wanted to make sure you had Mark Williams. You wanted to make sure you had Zach Collins because Pirtle and Mark Williams and Mason Plumlee were going to be dealt. Like You could see that coming once we hit that end of January type period. But at this point of the season, like we've got Levine might be traded or Calden Johnson's name is coming out. Like, but this it's too long to wait and too many uncertainties to be able to do that. And I've also got this theory, Dan, is that if they're players that play the two, the three, or the four, the way that the NBA works is all those positions are so interchangeable. Like if it's a point guard or a center, a center moves, a center takes his spot. A point guard moves, a point guard takes his spot. But if a shooting guard or a small forward gets traded, like Keldon Johnson, you'll have like, oh, well, then this guy, instead of playing 20 minutes, plays 25 and they shift up and the power forward shifts down and they all get like like four or five different guys will get five extra minutes and it doesn't amount to much. And that, that leads to that, well, this guy will definitely take that role and it doesn't always work that way. So roundabout question, what do you do about trade rumors now? Do you do anything in fantasy about it? Um, no, you kind of just got to wait how it kind of plays out. But at the same time, if I'm rostering people that are on the trade block, that concerns me because, you know, the people that are that are disgruntled about winning, usually they try to redirect their, their trade destination to a, a contending team, which to me muddies waters for both parties in some cases. So people like Zach Levine, I would be trying to trade if he wasn't injured right now. I would have been trying to trade him because um, I don't know that it's going to be greener for him on the other side going to a contending team potentially. Keldon Johnson, I have no idea what his trade market is in terms of like who's interested in him, but it sounds like he's a winning person, a winning player that teams are coveting per the reports that could just be his agent saying that he's been on a losing franchise for quite his yeah. whole career yeah, the so reason, i don't know if i could the, say that. the reason the franchise has been losing is because he's been a main player on it and he doesn't he's <laughs> that's what that's why hey same as zach levine man i just want to go somewhere i can win well buddy it might yeah. be it might be because of you it could, it could be you yeah <laughs> jesus christ these guys oh man i just i just want to go somewhere i can win some games yeah okay mirrors maybe buy one of those first um it is it is a but situation. Yeah, would, go yeah. go ahead no, I was just gonna say I was. I definitely try to. If you're in trade rumors, I'll probably try to offload you before those things come to fruition. And December fifteenth is tomorrow, so that means that you know the trade eligible people now teams can start having those conversations. So I'll just be aware of it. I'm not doing anything in haste, like say like, oh, okay, I gotta drop this guy because a rumor came out. Like, no, wait for it to happen, react, but try to be as, pro as proactive as you can. I will always. Yeah, tell, tell guys on my channel is that once we hit towards the end of January, then I'll start to give you four or five names that maybe we look at to hold. I think last year there was three names or four names and three of them hit as as solid 
trade stashes, but if you do it too early, it's pointless. And it's part of what we're doing with fantasy. Like it's there's a lot of work and a lot of work that we do, but a lot of work that people do with their lineups and work making the decisions. Stop expending energy on shit that gives you such a minimal return that's almost impossible to predict. Like you can say, well, who's going to get traded and who they get traded for, and what does this work out? And if I hold this guy for this, like it's it's the return on it is not worth your energy level of investment in that. So just don't worry about it. Like you can't control it. You don't know when it's going to happen. You can't have any. It's like trying to predict. Well, maybe I'll do this because I think an injury might happen in two weeks. Can't do it. Impossible. Waste yeah. of your time and waste of your energy, and is likely just going to end up with a mistake. So just don't do it. Make it simple. Conserve your time and conserve your energy for things you can control. Damn. And that is going to bring us to the end of the show. So again, thank you for coming on and fielding all of these tough questions. Tell people what is going on with you, writing, Yahoo, Roto World Podcast, all that sort of stuff. Oh, you just named it all. So uh, follow me on Twitter at Dan Titus and uh, check out the Roto World Basketball Show every Wednesday. Me, Raphael Johnson, and Von Dalzell covering everything around fantasy basketball. So definitely tap in on Twitch. Um, we are live on that too. One o'clock Eastern time every Wednesday. And yeah, check out my weekly article, the playlist at Yahoo Fantasy. I've heard that on Twitch, people are going topless now. Is that what you guys do too? <laughs> uh, we haven't gotten that memo hey, yet, but maybe, maybe sometime Dan, soon. What you're supposed to say is, guys, you'll never know unless you tune in and find out. That's how you bring in there an audience. Go. Thanks to Dan Titus. Go follow all of his stuff. Dan, I'm going to wrap this up. I'll, uh, I'll see you later. Thank you uh, for being on again. Thanks, Josh. Have a good one. Guys, we know what to do here. We uh, Go follow all Dan's stuff, but also follow me across wherever you can. But if you are here on the old YouTube, we, uh, we've hit the 70K and now we're aiming for the next one. Just hit subscribe. It also just helps so you just know, always know when there's a show coming out and you never miss out on any action. Follow this podcast if you're listening on audio. And guys, we're done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. <laughs>